Hello, people of the way. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Leviticus chapter 11. Chapter 11 in Leviticus. If you remember the prior studies, the prior chapters in Leviticus, there was chapter 8, 9, and 10, which is, you know, pretty hardcore for priests. You know, the uh, uh, the Levitical priesthood. Uh, and now we get into chapter 11. And what happens now, there's rules for the people. You know, certain uh, governing rules for the people and additional laws. You know, the additional regulation and statutes. Because remember, there's the Ten Commandments, but then there's little um, additives. I don't know. Maybe not additives, but additional statutes or subsections. Remember, Jesus Christ says, on these, on these two hang all the law on the prophets. And what were the two? It's to love God and with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and then to love people, love others. Uh, like like yourself, to love others as yourself. On these two things hang all the law and the prophets. And so, you know, the Ten Commandments, these stipulations, these statutes that are uh, additives to the law, uh, future statutes that we're going to read about, the law, and then the prophets. On these two things hang all the law and the prophets, the love of the Lord and the love of people. And remember, love of people is always, 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 always must be secondary to the Lord always it must be because if you ever switch it if you ever make your love for people more than the Lord you're in a lot of trouble a lot of trouble it must always be to the Lord first even when even when people hate you some people might like you some people might hate you you know that's between them and the Lord you have to be right with the Lord and I have to say, when we get into these stipulations in the law, understand that it's the law. We are not a people of the law. We are a people of Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law. But when we look at these things in the law, we're going to see them as a shadow of the things to come, number one. But then number two, there's some pretty hardcore things that we're going to discuss. You know, discuss about, talk about and study is, you know, in chapter 11, we're going to talk about foods. But then at the same time, in future chapters, we're going to talk about sexual things. We're going to talk about uh, female discharge, which is like, you know, menstrual type stuff. I shouldn't say menstrual stuff, but like, you know, that. And then we're going to talk about male discharge, you know, and we're going to see what the Lord has to say about these things straight up in the law. And remember, we're not a people of the law. But, you know, we're going to see God's position on certain subject matter and when you see subject matter in the law that's repeated in the new testament remember god never changes never ever ever changes he's the same. jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forevermore and then at the same time you know I, I, uh, I am the lord i never change that's what he says malachi it's very important to understand these things. Not that we, okay, we're going to go and fulfill the law. No, but to understand what the law, the law is always a schoolmaster. Still in function today. You know, the law is not meant for a righteous person. But the law is made for the unrighteous as a schoolmaster to bring them to righteousness. That's what Paul says to Pastor Timothy. Paul writes that to young Pastor Timothy. So let's get started here in chapter 11, verse 1. It says, you know, uh, now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Notice that together. Before, in previous chapters, the Lord spoke to Moses. In Exodus, the Lord would speak to Aaron, but through Moses. And then here, the Lord is speaking directly to Moses and Aaron. Just like last week, you know, the Lord spoke directly to Aaron. 
And then, you know what he says here? He says in verse 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel. Now, it's so beautiful because what happened in chapter 8, 9, and 10 in Leviticus, the priests, they've already been taken care of now. You know, and quite literally for a couple of Aaron's sons, you know, the, the Lord took care of them. You know, I don't, I don't mean to say that, you know, facetiously, but I say that like, you know, the Lord took care of them. You know, it's a very sobering thing. And what's so beautiful is that Aaron held his peace. Just like we studied last week in chapter 10, verse 3. Aaron straight up held his peace. And there's going to be times in life where people, they're going to be clean, unclean. And you know what? Through it all, you have to hold your peace. You know, just, okay. And it's kind of sad, too. I mean, how do I say this? It's like when you know the Bible, you know the Word, you study the Word, you know, and you're obedient to the Word and you, tr you strive for obedience and, you know, you're going to fail, you know, you're going to fail sometimes. And sometimes, you know, that you're going to fail once, fail twice, fail, fail thrice. But then the fourth time, it's like, okay, you got it done. You're not, it's like a kid riding a bike, you know, you got your training wheels on and you ride your bike. Hey, Pops, check this out. It's like, okay, cool, son, you know, and then, you know, you take off the training wheels. Like, hey, Pops, check this out. Boom, fall. Okay, it's okay, baby girl, I'm going to pick you up. Hey, right at the, you know, right, hey, Pops, check this out, okay? A little bit further distance, and then boom, fall. The same thing applies to us in Christ. There's going to be times when, you know, you, you render obedience, but keep in mind, we're in these earth suits. And I'm not making excuse for sin. But I'm saying is that we learn from our mistakes. You know, and little boy, little girls, you ride in their bike, hey, Pops, check this out. Finally, they don't fall anymore. And they start jumping off, you know, ramps and stuff. And it's like, whoa, cool. You know, they, they've mastered the balance. The, 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 they've mastered. They've grown. And the same thing applies to us as Christians. And so, you know, the priests, they've been taken care of in chapter 8, 9, 10. They've been clothed. And, you know, the Lord taught Aaron a hardcore message. Not just Aaron, but, you know, the, the, the living brothers. You know, and what happened with uh, uh, Nadab and Abihu, the Lord took their lives. The Lord consumed them by fire. And what a hardcore message that is for church leadership. Like, hey, don't play games with the Lord. You know, if you're a pastor, elder, Bible teacher, you have a job to do. And it's not a job like, you know, nine to five, you punch in, you punch out. No, there's certain qualities of a godly man, a godly woman, certain traits of a godly man, a godly woman, which is, okay, you know, these line up in your heart, these line up in your vessel. It's like, okay, now, you know, be used of the Lord. It's not to be like chosen flippantly or it's like, hey, I need a warm body. Hey, you do this. Hey, I need a warm body. You, you're an elder. You know, hey, I need a warm body. You know, you're a co-pastor. No, it doesn't work that way. The priests have been consecrated. The priests, uh, have, they're wearing the robes now. And then now they're ready to minister. You see, for the people now, for the people. When you're in ministry capacity, when you're serving the Lord in ministry, I shouldn't say it like that because as Christians, every Christian is in ministry. You know, whether it be, you know, just sometimes your, your very witness is a ministry. 
Because people wonder, like, wow, you know, what's up with that guy? What's up with that gal? You know, how come they don't like to go to the bars with everybody else? And then, you know, people's lives start falling apart and your life is like beautiful. And it's the fruit of the spirit. And people start to wonder, wow, you know what? What is that? What is, you know, how come? It's called being the salt. And then you're the one who's a fisherman. You're standing on the solid rock. And you're the one that goes fishing for souls. But when you don't have that, when you're playing games with the Lord, don't forget Satan's a fisherman too. You're on solid ground. And, you know, or, you know, you're on solid ground, but, you know, it's slippery. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, standing on Jesus Christ is slippery. But by our behaviors, by our actions, we can make it slippery. We're the ones that's self-inflicted. And, you know, you throw the line in the water and you think, wow, I'm fishing, I'm fishing. And then, you know, it's a big whale and they take you and boom, Satan's a fisherman. Especially for pastors, especially for elders, especially for Bible teachers and those in ministry. How many times do you see, you know, missionaries, they say, wow, you know what, I'm going to go out and, you know, serve these, uh, uh, help the prostitutes, help the sex trafficking people and minister to them, you know, and bring them to Christ. And then all of a sudden they're sucked into that lifestyle in whatever capacity. Or the drug people, you know, you know, people, oh, I'm going to go help the drug people and bring them to Christ. Okay. And then finally, you know, because Satan's a fisherman too, those, you know, former ministers are now the fish of Satan. You see, it, you have to be firmly planted doctrinally on the solid rock of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. And so, you know, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, they're officially able because they've been cleansed. They're wearing the robes, everything. They're not able to minister. And this is what the Lord tells them to say in verse 2. These, it says, speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. So in chapter 11, we're going to specifically talk about animals and what you, uh, what you eat. Now, this, what, what you know, they had to eat because it's under the law. And, you know, as a little disclaimer, sometimes you hear me say, you know, what we eat, like I just did, you know, but I'm referring to the law. I'm not referring to us as Christians under the law. I just, sometimes I personify things like, you know, boom, we are here in chapter 11, which we're here studying, but I mean like, boom, we are here. But I always make note, you know, a little secondary, sometimes tertiary notes to say like, hey, we're new covenant believers. Don't forget that. And so here there's, you know, the, the unclean animals and abominations under the law, what we're going to look at. But before we start in verse 3, turn with me really quick to Acts chapter 10. A little refresher course. In Acts chapter 10, verse 10. This is Peter. We just studied this a little while ago in Acts chapter 10. Peter was hungry. It says in verse 10, Acts 10, 10. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. This is Peter. This is why he was praying. But while they made ready, because there were people, I'll just start in verse 9. It says, The next day as they went on their journey, they drew near the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray. And about the sixth hour, this is what happens. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. This is where, you know, we talk about ecstasy. 
You know, his, you know, his mind was just, the Lord took his mind elsewhere. He had a vision. It says, and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild bees, creeping things, and birds of the air. These are animals that, that were on this uh, a great sheet bound at four corners that Peter saw in the vision. These are unclean things in accordance to the law, what we're, about to, what we're about to read in Leviticus. Unclean things, according to the law. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord! Exclamation point. No, Lord. It says, For I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call uncommon. Or what God has made clean, you must not call uncommon unclean you see in verse 16 this was done three times and the object was taken up into heaven it's very important to understand these things as new covenant believers because you know what satan will do he'll whisper in your ear we're going to study in leviticus and then he'll whisper in your ear oh you see don't you know don't eat these things don't partake of these things but no we are not a people of the law Abiding in Christ, we abide in the fulfillment of the law. And in accordance with that, we are a people of the new covenant. And the new covenant includes, you know, certain provisions that exclude the law. I shouldn't say certain provisions that exclude the law. I should say provisions that exclude the law entirely. Because remember, the law was made with loopholes. Never forget that because Satan's going to whisper in your ear and he'll say, oh, you know what? If you want to be righteous, then you start doing this. You know what that's called? That's called leaving the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. He says, you know, if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. What was the point of Jesus Christ to die if righteousness can come through the law? He says, no way. He tells the church, he says, you know, have I become your enemies? Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And Paul was hardcore. You know why? He loved the people. He loved, loved, loved the people. But he loved God more. You know, you have to understand these things. Because you know what? There's a lot of Christians, people who I hold dear to my heart, who, you know, oh, I don't eat shrimp. Oh, no, I don't eat that. It's unclean. It's a scavenging animal. And the Bible wants to protect us. from The Lord is protecting us from that. You know, the Lord wants us to be healthy. The Lord wants us to, you know, not eat unclean things so, so we'll be healthy. It's not, it's not a matter of health. I mean, not to say that the Lord wants us to be sick and die, but I mean, you know, it's, it has nothing to do with health. And I'm not advocating, you know, eating cheeseburgers for the rest of your life. But it has nothing to do with health. I don't fight with it. It's not a salvation type of thing. Like, okay, if you don't eat shrimp, you're going to burn in hell. It's not like that. But in my heart of hearts, when I, you know, I meet somebody, I say, hey, you know, let's, let's go get something to eat. You know, there's this cool Italian place down the street. You know, you'll love their shrimp scampi. You know, it's so delicious. No, I will not eat that. The Bible says uh, I can't eat that. The Lord wants me to be healthy. You know, I'm not going to eat these bottom dwellers scavenging animals and the Lord wants me to be healthy he wants what's clean to be in my body not what's dirty and, and I, in my heart of hearts I get kind of sad I get kind of sad 
you know, not not for it's it, because what the Bible teaches, what, what especially as new covenant believers, especially here in verse fifteen in Acts ten, you know what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now let's turn to Colossians to chapter three, really quick before we get into our study in Leviticus. In Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 23. Actually, Colossians chapter 2. Sorry about that. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 23. This is what Paul is writing to the church. He says, These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body. Now let's pause here for a moment. What Paul is writing here, he's writing about a series of things which have, just like he says, the appearance of wisdom. You know, and so you look at somebody who exemplifies these things in verse 23, and you think like, wow, but it's not necessarily not necessarily a good thing. Because it's just an appearance. Like, you know, here in verse 23, these things have an appearance of wisdom. Self-imposed religion, false, humi- false humility, neglect of the body, which translates as asceticism, which is strict avoidance of indulgence. I mean, have you ever talked to somebody who's dieting? And, you know, you pull a piece of chocolate out of your pocket, you know, or a candy bar. And you eat a little piece, and you're like, here, you want some? And they're like, oh, no, I'm on a strict diet. I got to have my washboard abs. You know, I got to have body to muscle tone, all these things, and I will not eat chocolate. So, okay, you know, you're lost. You know, just a little indulgence. You know, here, it tastes good. No, I will not eat it, you know. That's what the what Paul is talking about here, but in a faith sense. You know, like... You know, like people say, I will not eat shrimp. I will not eat, you know, whatever this. Because in the law, it says this. Well, we're not under the law. I mean, if a person wants to be under the law, it breaks my heart. But I can't control people. I can only teach. It's the same thing that you can do. You can only teach. You can only share to somebody the truth of God's word. But if somebody wants to behave that way and live a certain way, you know, they've made their choice. And, you know, this... If somebody says, hey, you know what, I will not eat shrimp because the Bible says no, then it's okay. You're still my brother. You're still my sister. It's not like you're going to burn in hell or, you know, there's no, it's nothing like that. But I'm kind of sad because, you know, there's number one, the understanding of scripture. But then number two, it's like, you know, shrimp scampi is pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty tasty. It depends who the chef is, but there's some good chefs out there. And so, you know, it, the strict avoidance of indulgence, that, that's what it says in verse 23, the neglect of the body. So from the outside, you know, you look at a person that exemplifies these things and it's like, whoa, this is so, like, it's impressive, you know, in a carnal sense. It's like, wow, look how hardcore this person is. He or she is wise. This person is religious. This person is humble. This person is strict, you know, unto themselves and choices they make. The same way a guy says, oh, no, I will not eat chocolate. And I had a friend like that. She was going to get married, you know, and it's like, you know, you know, let's go get a burger. Let's go eat some pizza. Like, no, I have to fit into my wedding dress. I will, so I will not go out. But, you know, I, um, I can be persuasive sometimes. So we ended up eating burgers and pizza from time to time. And so look what happens here in verse 23. 
He says, uh, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value. It's meaningless. Are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh, against the indulgence of the carnal nature. There's no point. There's no value. Somebody says, wow, you know, look at this guy. He's so wise. Look at this girl. She's so religious. Look at this other guy. He's so humble. Look at this other girl. She's so strict. And the choices, even if it's in accordance with the law, I will not eat shrimp. And, you know, slams their fist down on the table. You know, I don't eat shrimp. I read 50 chapters a day. You know, all these things. I go to church seven days a week and each, each service is, you know, 10 hours long. Well, you know what? You're still carnal. If 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 that's in you, if, if you have that position, there's still carnal things which cannot be addressed by your those things, you know? Your strictness, your false humility. The, I shouldn't say your, but you know, when people exemplify these things, there's still a carnal nature. Somebody wants the appearance of being religious. But it's much deeper than I mean, look at a humble guy. A humble guy is like, okay, yeah, cool, you're humble. But what if he's still a crackhead? Or look at a pious woman, you know, in accordance with the law. Okay, you know, you're, so you're religious, but, you know, you still, you know, beat up your kids. You know, you still cheat on your taxes. Because all those things do not address the carnal nature. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Yeah, they have an appearance of wisdom. And, you know, we're talking about people that exemplify these things. But before verse 23 is a series, verse after verse after verse. I mean, you have to go up because we start at 23. But you go to verse 22, 21, 20, and you go up. And there's all these things what a person exemplifies in their walk. That have no value. Of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. They say, okay, why are we here? I'll tell you why. Now, in the same chapter, Colossians chapter 2, look at verse 16. So let no one judge you in food or drink. Very interesting. What we looked at Acts 10 and what we're studying in Leviticus 11. About foods. And it says, so let no one judge you in food or drink. Or regarding a festival, which is the feast days, which is a kind of like a conglomeration of, you know, certain foods, certain meals and certain provisions and rules for certain meals, the festivals, the feast days, like a series of those things. Some of the things that we've already discussed, already studied in Leviticus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. It says, or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ, you see. All the things in the law, a shadow of the things to come. I mean, if you take your Bible, go to Matthew, and, you know, you hold up, you know, the first page of the book of Matthew, you know, and everything to the left of that, you know, I'm American, so, you know, if you live in cultures where you read right to left, you got to do it the opposite way. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm in the United States, so, you know, we read left to right. 
but you know, it, it, you, you hold the first page of the book of Matthew. And everything to the left of that, you know, these are things where it's... Think of Jesus Christ as casting a shadow. So when you're reading Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all these things, just like we are in the Wednesday studies, it's a shadow of the things to come. The body, the substance, is Jesus Christ. Remember, so we're going to look at these things in the law about foods and the, uh, what to eat and what not to eat. But they're of no value against the indulgence of the flesh because it's deeper. You know, somebody can say, oh yeah, I'm not going to eat chocolate. I'm not going to eat pizza. I'm not going to eat, uh, you know, shrimp because, you know, the law, the, 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 you know, God doesn't want me to have intake of unclean things. These are scavenger animal. Why am I going to eat these dirty things? The Lord wants me to be healthy. Well, it's much deeper than that. It's much deeper than, oh, the Lord wants me to have ripped abs. The Lord wants me to have nice muscle tone. Does he really? Where in the Bible does it say that? No, he wants you clean. He wants you clean. That's what the Bible teaches, Old Testament and New Testament. He wants you right with the Lord. He doesn't care about your ripped abs, you know, or your unripped abs, you know, your your flabs. He doesn't care. Well, I mean, you know, if you're like a thousand pounds, you know, you know, we have to talk. But he cares about your soul. Jesus Christ didn't die on a cross for your abs or your flabs. He died for you, your soul, because God loves you. It's kind of, I, like, I don't have words for this. But when I hear these arguments, when I hear somebody say, oh yeah, the Lord wants me to be healthy, the Lord wants me, my heart weeps. I don't know if it's possible, but my heart weeps. And what's we're going to study in Leviticus. Because the Lord wants to address the flesh, the carnal nature, not your abs. You know, he wants to address your carnal nature. Old Testament and New Testament. And so now let's go back to Leviticus chapter 11. <clears throat> You know, I mentioned before, I have to drink tea. When I talk a lot, I have to drink tea. And uh, it's a really hot tea that I have. So if you hear me extra slurpy today, that's why it's really hot. So here in verse 3 in Leviticus 10, you know, we had this little precursor study in Acts 10 and Colossians 2. And but, you know, with that backdrop, let's look at what. The law says in verse three, among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, it's like a cleft hoof is how it translates, like two toes. You know, like you see animals that have like little feet, little toes, but then you see animals, they still have, you know, like a big foot, but then it's like a slice in the middle. It's cleft. It's, you know, you have the, the cleave in the, in their foot. That's the two toes. And the Lord is saying, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, and chewing the cud. The and there is a pretty big deal. Because it's not just cloven hooves, period. It's cloven hooves and chewing the cud. He says, that you may eat. 
So he, he, he has clear indication of what is clean to eat. And we're going to get into, you know, pretty, you know, heavy into this. In verse 4, nevertheless, these you shall not eat among those that chew the cud or those that have cloven hooves. The camel, because it chews the cud. He said, the camel, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves. You see, that's why I said the and is important in verse 3. Because it's the hooves and chewing the cud. It says in verse 4, the camel, because it chews the cud. So one of those things, but not two of those things but does not have cloven hooves. It's unclean to you, he says, is unclean to you. So we look at rules, for example. You could look at it and say, okay, I can't eat a camel. But what I love so much about the, the word, the Bible, and in the law, is the Lord gives us reasons. He says, you know, why don't we eat the camel? Why don't, you know, the, under the law, why, don't, why isn't the camel? Well, there's, you know, he gives the law, but then also what ha- what's happening is that he wants the people to start learning discernment, to understand these things and to discern for themselves. Remember, these are the very early stages. I don't know if I'm right in saying it, saying this, and I'm not, I'm not bringing Jews to a low level, nor am I bringing Gentiles to a low level. But when I think about the law, and when I think about grace, I think about my dog. You know, we used to have a dog, you know, and she died recently, you know, and, and you know, it broke my heart. You know, my heart is still broken. And it'll probably, at the memory of my, my little doggy, you know, it's always going to be that way. But, you know, that's just... The way of the flesh, you know, it's it's temporal. But I think about my dog. When my dog was a little puppy, and even when she was a little youngster, a little tyke, she would get into trouble. And I was very heavy with her. I was very, you know, because I wanted to teach her discipline, you know. And yeah, she's a dog, but, you know, I'm just giving an example. And so that, you know, that included some like hardcore leash training. It included some hardcore crate training. It included, you know, some discipline, you know, like a little smack from, you know, from time to time. And I was very, very hardcore with her. And, you know, she under, she started to understand and learn what certain words were, what I didn't like. And I would ask her questions like, do you want this? Do you want this? And, you know, as she started to learn these things and she started to obey me then i started to be very lenient with her because she understood you know and granted we're talking about a dog i'm not saying you know she's gonna go out and read the newspaper to me but she was still obedient to me and you know that's what i think about when i think about the law and grace where the law is very strict in teaching and i'm not this has nothing to do with like you know i'm not bringing talking about jews or gentile and you know, bringing them down to a low, you know, canine level. I'm just giving an example of when I, when I personally think about the law. I think of, you know, my little doggy in her very early stages of life. Because, you know, I had to be strict with her. Otherwise, she'd be crazy. I mean, you see people with their dogs. You know, it's like the person is the dog because the dog's in control. You know, the dog bites whoever. The dog jumps on the couch and bites this and... Makes a mess out of things and does all kinds of crazy things. 
It's like, okay, I, I, see, I meet a person like that. It's like, okay, the person is a dog. Nice to meet you, Mr. Dog. Nice to meet you, Mrs. Dog. You know, because they don't instill these things. You see it in kids, too. Parents with their kids. Kids are like little ruffians. Barbarians. Ten-year-old barbarians running around the place. It's like, Man, don't you discipline your kids? It's not my place to say. But if they ask me, I'll tell them. <laughs> so, you know, don't ask me. If, 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 if you ask me, I'll tell you. But don't ask me. If you don't want me to tell you. But if you ask me, I'll tell you. It's very important to discipline your kids. Because what happens as they grow, they're going to learn discipline. They're going to go out in the world and they're going to learn submission, not unto you, submission unto Jesus, Jesus Christ. That's what they're going to learn. That's what you're instilling in them, submission to Jesus Christ. I don't mean to be heavy handed with your kids you know, and beat them to a bloody pulp. But to be stern with your kids when it comes to certain subject matters. Especially even more so in these last days. Because look at what their peers are learning. Little kindergartners learning about transgenderism. You know, little 10-year-olds learning deeper things about transgenderism, the homosexual lesbian movements. You know, and parents send their kids to public school, and the kids go to public school, and they get indoctrinated, indoctrinated. Look at a high school kid. You know, yeah, mom, dad, I got accepted this college. Cool. The kid goes away, comes back. It's like, what in the world? What did this college produce? You're like, you know, a leftist. You're like a hardcore feminist now. What happened? That child has been indoctrinated in the things of the world. That's what happened. But when you train up your child, it's like, wow, cool. This is what, this is what godliness looks like. When you train up a child in the things of righteousness, equip them for the work of their ministry unto the Lord. So I say that because we have to make this determination between the law and grace. And, you know, I think about my dog sometimes. You know, very strict with her. And sometimes, some nights she had to sleep in the cage. She likes to sleep next to me. or She liked to. And she liked to sleep next to me, you know. But, you know, when she was naughty, no, she got the cage. And then as she grew older, it was like, okay, she's, she's, she's good to go. She's learned obedience. And she doesn't need, you know, the heavy hand anymore. She doesn't need the, the crate anymore. She doesn't need... And people would comment. They'd be like, wow, you know. How do you do it? Your dog is like, you know, what in the world? Well, you got to teach them. Same with kids. You got to teach Not that kids are dogs, but I mean, you know, you got to teach them. A lot of people these days, they have a little rough. You go out to dinner. I mean, you know, before the everything was shut down, you go out to dinner you see kids running around, it's like, man, look at the parents. You know, people look at the kids like, wow, this is so shameful. Look at their behaving. I don't do that. I look at the parents. So shameful. Parents who don't instill discipline in their kids. You see a group of kids and you see like, you know, there's these certain ones that are like little animals. It's like, it's, to me, it's disgusting. I think it's um, one of the grossest things ever. Because it's going to get much worse for that child. It's the, one of the most disgusting things I've ever laid eyes on. Because these children at a young age, you don't parents don't capitalize on this such tender age where they're so moldable and shapeable. They're like little sponges. That's the perfect opportunity to teach and instill discipline. And the parents who choose not to do that. 
I think it's gross. I think it's rather disgusting. In the moment, but at the thought of what that will produce in the future. And so as we look at these topics in the law in Leviticus, especially for the people, we're getting into, you know, some hardcore topics, sexual things too, is to understand, you know, there's a reason why things were so heavy in the law. There's a reason why, you know, the law is stated in certain ways because we're spoiled today as people under grace. If you're abiding in Christ, you're under grace. We're spoiled because it's like, okay, we're separated, separated from the law, you know, de- depending on behavior. You say, what do you mean depending on behavior? Well, remember, the law is not over. The law is still in effect today. And the wages of sin is death in accordance with the law. And the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So if I'm, imbi- I'm abiding in Christ today, and then if I step out of that fence of abiding in Christ and I start to beat on my wife, cheat on my wife, I get drunk, do the alcohol thing, do the drug thing, do all kinds of sexual things. You know what? Number one, I can't be a pastor anymore. Number two, I'm not under grace. I have left the confines of grace and I'm now under the law. And if I don't repent, the law is a schoolmaster to hopefully, depending on the condition of my heart, the hardness of my heart, the law is a schoolmaster to say, hey, you need to get back in the fence. And if I ignore the law, then the Lord will give me over. That's what we see in Romans 1. The Lord will give me over. You see, judgment of God, the wrath of God, which falls on individuals. And we're going to study that when we get into Romans. And it, it's, it's like, you know, right out of the gate, you know, some of Paul's letters, some of the epistles, Peter's letters, you know, it kind of starts off slow and it kind of introduces like, you know, oh, by the way, I got this little thing. But what I love about you know, like Romans, it's like, boom, right at the gate, you know, like the wrath of God. Chapter one, Romans. But it's very important to understand the functionality of the law. The functionality of the law. Understanding that the law is not made for a righteous person. You heard me mention Timothy before, but I'm just going to read the passage. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murders of fathers and murders of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. That's what Paul is telling to young Pastor Timothy. That's what the law is for. It's not made for the righteous person. It's not made for the one who's abiding in Christ. But, you know, if I'm abiding in Christ and then I go out and murder somebody, if I go out and kidnap somebody and then murder that person, then the law is for me. It's judgment. God's judgment. I love the end of verse 10. 
because you think of like, wow, the ungodly murders. Whoa, this is hardcore. Sinners, unsubordinate. Whoa, perjurers, kidnappers, fornicators, sodomites. But at the end of verse 10, the little uh, additive that Paul adds, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit. If there is any other thing that is contrary or opposed to sound doctrine. That's what the law is for. You see, that's hardcore. Which places heavy emphasis on, hey, get right with God and abide with Christ. Abide in Christ. That way you won't be under the law. You know, so many people today say, oh yeah, I'm under grace, I'm under grace. You know, come on, let's go get drunk. I'm under grace, it's okay. You know, we're free in Christ. Let's go get high. No. It doesn't work that way, my friend. Not at all. And so look what happens here. Let's go back to Leviticus chapter 11. Chapter 11. The Lord is teaching discernment. Because remember, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud, that you may eat. So you think the camel, the camel chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves. He says, this is unclean to you. The rock, in verse 5, the rock hyrax. It's, you know, I had to Google that, you know, it's an animal. And I thought, I saw this one picture, and I was like, oh, that's kind of a cute little animal. Then I saw another picture, and it's like this big old teeth. Like, okay, I don't think it's cute anymore. The rock hyrax, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. The hair, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. And the swine, though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch, for they are unclean to you. These you may eat of that, these you may eat of all that are in the water. So verse 3 was, you know, addressing animals, and now, you know, in verse 9, he's going to address the, the, you know, the like the sea creatures. Not just the sea creatures, but what's in the rivers too. He says, whatever in the waters has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers, that you may eat. But all the all in the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which are in the water, they are an abomination to you. Very interesting what's written here in verse 10. Because there's passages in the Old Testament which is like, okay, you know, this is a straight up abomination. Sometimes it's an abomination. Sometimes it's an abomination unto God. But here in verse 10 says, it's an abomination to you. Very interesting because you know what? It's the people have are being presented with choices. Choices. Hey, do you want to partake of what is clean or do you want to partake of what is unclean? Choices are being presented to the people. Remember, these are people who've never had the law before. Never. They were just rescued from straight up bondage. What about the things that they learned in Egypt? In Egyptian captivity, having forgotten the Lord. And when the Lord made them made himself known, yeah, they knew God was like, okay, whoa, you know, like the Lord is here. You know, the Lord speaks to Moses, so we're going to listen to Moses now. The Lord is speaking to Aaron, so we're going to listen to both Moses and Aaron now. And these are the priests. He just, you know, took Aaron's two sons. So, you know, he got his other two sons as their replacement. So, okay, we're going to pay attention now. Lord, you have our attention. 
And so now, you know, what's happening is Moses and Aaron, they're now telling the people, okay, now that the Lord has your attention, here are some rules to follow. I kind of like a little nutshell of what's happened, you know, since coming out of Egypt. You know, and this concept of, whoa, this is an abomination to the Lord. Okay, you know, I get it now. And the Lord is presenting the people with choices. You know, this is unclean. This is an abomination. But if you want to honor the Lord, okay, then this is what's clean. You have a choice to make. The same way you and I have choices to make today. He says in verse 12, Whatever is in the water that does not have fins or scales, that shall be an abomination to you. In verse 13, that's why, you know, whatever in the water does not have fins or scales, that's why, you know, sometimes I, 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 I meet somebody, you know, it's like, okay, let's go get something to eat. Sometimes, you know, a lot of times when I meet with people, it includes food, you know, and so, it's like, hey, let's go get something to eat. There's this cool Mexican, or not, you know, Mexican place or, you know, uh, uh, or uh, Italian place, there's shrimp scampies to die for, and it's like, boom, I don't eat shrimp, you know, it's in the law, it's not, it's like, it's kind of sad, you know, as I stated before, it's kind of like, it hurts a little bit. Because, you know, what we read in Colossians 2 and Acts 10, we're new covenant believers. We're free. And, you know, we're going to see, like, in future chapters, you know, don't use your freedom as, you know, excuse for vice. But then, you know, there's a little additive to that if it makes another person fall. You know, because you have to consider their conscience over your own. Applicationally, I'll give you an example. So I meet somebody, to, hey, let's go to this Italian place, new Italian place. I know the chef, he's pretty good. You know, he's from out of town, he's from wherever, you know, and he makes killer food. Italian chef, you know, classically trained. And you got to try their skimp shamp- shrimp, shrimp scampi. You know, oh, no, I don't eat shrimp. Well, I don't, you know, give okay, let's do a little Bible study now. It's okay to eat shrimp because what I'll be doing at that point, then I'm in the wrong because I'm hurting their conscience. In their conscience, they're like, man, I can't eat the shrimp, you know. It's sad because, you know, what we read in Acts 10, Colossians 2, and there's other passages, but those are the ones that we're targeting right now. It's kind of sad. It's like, okay, you know, maybe in time there will be a greater understanding of Scripture to where we can eat shrimp scampi. But I just say, okay, you know, let's eat a sandwich, you know, let's let's have ham sandwiches, you know, or, you know, turkey sandwiches, or man, you know, I don't know, burritos. Well, let's eat something that doesn't have, you know, shrimp in it, you know, or, you know, whatever animal you're referring to. You see, so it's not, then I would be in the wrong if I, you know, that's called searing somebody's conscience. And the Lord says, don't do that. So, yes, we have freedom in Christ. But then at the same time, you don't want to use your freedom as, number one, excuse for vice. You know, like, oh, I'm free in Christ, so I'm going to do crack now. You know, I'm gonna, I'm free in Christ, so I'm going to do my lines now. No. Or, you know, I'm free in Christ, so I'm going to impose my freedom on another person, even when it sears their conscience. No, don't do that either. That's so when Paul says, you know what? I won't eat meat anymore. If it, if it, if it you have this position, you know what? I'm not going to eat meat anymore. That's what Paul says. Because you have to consider another person's conscience. That's why the Lord says, you know, hey, be equally yoked. Be equally yoked. Because if you're not equally yoked, you know, depending on what the yoking is, if they're yoked to the world and you're yoked to Christ, 
and then you get married, it's, it's, you have a heap of problems. But when you're equally yoked and both growing together, you know what happens? It's like, wow, you start to understand. You, you help each other. So, you know, you have to understand these things. In verse 13, And these you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. You shall regard. What, what freedom has Israel had in the past to say, wow, I have an actual role to play in my faith with the Lord? Yes, Old Testament and New Testament. Like, you know, you could look at the law as straight up, okay, I can't eat a camel. You know, I can't eat, you know, the rock hyrax. I can't eat the hair. You know, you can look at it like that and be like rigid. But I don't recommend it. Because when you have rigidity to the word of God, you know, what I like better is when the Lord explains. He tells you, because, notice all the becauses we just read already in verse 4. The camel, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves. In verse 5, the rocks, the rock hyrax, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves. So that's what you pick up in a relationship with Jesus Christ and loving his word. Remember, the word became flesh. Yeah, you know, there's a rule, the rule that pertains to whatever. Whatever topic, a rule that hits on, you know, lying. And then, you know, what about all the verses that explain why the Lord doesn't like these things? Why it's not pleasing to the Lord? And that's what's so beautiful about a love relationship with Jesus Christ and being in His Word. Because, yes, He'll present you with rules, Old Testament and New Testament, but then He'll also explain the whys. Why is it that these rules are in place? And then with that why, it's like a lane you fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with Jesus Christ. Don't forget, there's the helper. It's so beautiful, you know, the love relationship that any person can have. Any person. In verse 13, And these you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the kite, and the falcon after its kind. That's species is how that translates in the Hebrew. Species, kind. If you, you know, hearken to our study in, in Genesis, the creation, all these animals after its kind, species. And it says in verse 15, every raven after its kind or species. In verse 16, the ostrich, the short-eared owl, the seagull, and the hawk after its kind, the little owl, the fisher owl, and the screech owl, the white owl, the jackdaw, and the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron after its kind, the hoopoe, and the bat. You know, I used to like, I used to read this, you know, like the bat, like, wow. And then now with the, like the, uh, 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 the Chinese virus, you know, it's like, wow, you know, the people eat the bat soup. You know, people say it came from the bat soup. Other people say it came from the lab and all these conspiracy theories. I don't really follow it. You know, I, I hear the arguments, but it's like, you know what? I don't follow conspiracy theories like the 
people of the world, they, they adhere to these hardcore uh, conspiracy theories. Why? Because the Bible says don't do that. Don't do that. You know, I'll give you, because I said it, I'll reference it. And I have to find it. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12. Do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy. Nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, Him you shall hallow. Let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. He will be as a sanctuary, but as a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both houses of Israel, as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble, but shall fall and be broken, be snared and taken. You see, I mean, there's some hardcore verses of here like, wow, you know, like, Verse 14 is key because it presents you with a choice. It presents me with a choice. Is the Lord going to be a sanctuary or is he going to be a stumbling, a stone of stumbling? You choose. That's why verse 12 did not say conspiracy concerning all this people that call, concerning all that this people call a conspiracy. A lot of people become afraid because of their conspiracy theories that they follow. So don't follow. You know, I hear all the arguments, conspiracy here, conspiracy this. Oh, did you hear about this? Check this out. Okay. That's fine. I get it. I see the argument. But when people start, you know, people get crazy. I mean, you see people that, you know, they follow these hardcore conspiracy theories and they get deeper and deeper in this conspiracy, which opens the door to this, get deeper and deeper and deeper. And then finally you see them. It's like, man, you're like, they're filthy. They got to shave and they're like, look at their lives. It's like, wow, what happened to you? Because they get consumed by all those things. But, you know, you know, I don't follow conspiracies, but a friend of mine sent me a video. He's like, watch this. So I clicked on it, watch it. And they're straight up eating bat soup. You know? and so before I used to read this, like in Leviticus chapter 11, you know, and he says, you know, uh, in, in verse 19, the stork, the heron after its kind, the hoopo and the bat. And I was like, okay, I don't know who eats a bat. But now, you know, people eat bats. In verse 20. All flying insects that creep on all fours shall be an abomination to you. Yet these you may eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours. Those which have jointed legs above their feet with which to leap on the earth. These you may eat. The locust after its kind. This is what, you know, beautiful, beautiful John the Baptist ate. You know, after its species. The locust after its species. John the Baptist ate this. It's kind of cool because in the last days you see these pestilence, disease, locusts. You know, the Lord's going to give us food to eat. You know, it says, these you may eat the locust after its kind, the destroying locust after its kind, the cricket after its kind, and the grasshopper after its kind. But all other flying insects which have four feet shall be an abomination to you. Verse 24. By these you shall be you shall become unclean. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries, whoever carries part of the carcass of any of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. I love verse 25 because, you know, there's a period of uncleanness. And this is the law. Remember, in Christ, we wear Jesus Christ as like a robe. You know, you take off the robe of the flesh. That's what happens when you reckon the old man dead, the old woman dead. And you carry your cross. What you do is you put on Jesus Christ and you wear him like a robe. He straight up gives you a, a, his own clean robe to wear. 
You see in verse 26, the carcass of any animal which divides the foot but is not cloven hoofed or does not chew the cud is unclean to you. Everyone who touches it shall be unclean, and whatever goes on its paws, um, whatever goes on its paws among all kinds of animals that go on all fours, those are unclean to you. Whoever touches any such carcass shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries any such carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It is unclean to you. So it's so cool because there's provisions for you know, like what if an animal dies? You know, what if an animal dies and, you know, it's like, you know, there's provision for, okay, somebody's got to pick up this animal and, you know, discard him or, you know, walk him, you know, outside the camp. And that person, you know, takes the animal, takes him outside the camp. But, you know, that person is unclean until evening. You see, this is all these provisions in the law. Remember, the people of Israel, they're being presented with choices. Like, you know, in the law, you know, the, the, the process of sanctification when somebody has to present their, 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 their an animal, whether it be a, a turtle dove or a sheep or an ox, and they have to present their animal, you know, depending on, you know, if there's sin in their home, sin in their tent, and the head of the home would, you know, correct their child, correct it. I give that example. You, you have a wayward child in the law. You correct your child, you discipline your child, but then there's now sin in your tent. And so you have to go to the priest and say, okay, you know, here's my turtle dove. If you're poor, here's my turtle dove. If you're middle class, you know, here's my, here's my sheep. If you're, you know, wealthy, it's, here's my ox. See, there's provision for, there's provision. The Lord makes provision. Poor, rich, middle class, it doesn't matter. The Lord makes provision. Old Testament and New Testament. What's the sin offering as new covenant believers? Jesus Christ. He's the sin offering. And so, you know, you see all these things where the Lord makes provision. It's like, for you see practicality as well. And I don't mean to cheapen the law by saying, you know, mere practicality. But in all actuality, it is pretty practical. Because it's like, you know, they're, they're in the wilderness. You know, and the Lord says, okay, you know, I'm going to be with you. And we're going to the promised land. But now there's, this is what you have to do. This is what I expect from you. These are the what I'm presenting you with. You know, you want to be clean before me? Then, you know, this is what you have to do. You know, kind of a nutshell what the Lord is saying to tell the people, to tell, to tell Moses and Aaron to tell the people. In verse 29, These also shall be unclean to you among the creeping things that creep on the earth, the mole, the mouse, and the large lizard after its kind, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the sand reptile, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. These are unclean to you among all that creep. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until evening. So like a little mouse dies in your tent, you know, somebody's got to take care of that and get that uncleanness out. You know, and unclean until evening. So, you know, there's rules. It says in verse 32, Anything on which any of them falls when they are dead shall be unclean, whether it is any item of wood or clothing or skin or sack, whatever item it is in which any work is done, it must be put in water. I love this so much. It is one little little phrase here in verse 32 right in the middle or towards the end of verse 32 
there's no heavy washing involved. It must be put in water. There's, you know, it's like you have to put this item in. Say you have like a, a dead mouse comes in or a dead, you know, like in verse 29, the mouse, you know, or a mole. You know, what if a mole got in your tent? You know, and it's like, wow, the mole is on a little shelf or something and falls and, you know, touches your hand. Well, now you're unclean. You know, if you have a big family, well, since you're the one that it's touched, okay, then you're the one that picks it up and, you know, takes it out, you know, and gets rid of it. But then you're still unclean until the evening. And it says, you know, it, like if it, it, if it, say it touched something, you know, as it was falling. Like in verse 32, any on anything on which any of them falls when they are dead shall be unclean. So what if it fell on, you know, a, some type of, a type of board, like a little seat? What if it fell on the seat? Well, that seat is unclean now. What if it fell on... You know, some little item. And it, okay, now that little item is unclean now. And I love it how it says it must be put in water. There's no heavy washing involved. This is say, hey, place this in water. You know why I love this so much? I'll tell you. You know, I'm not going to get into the depths of sin. <coughs> Excuse me. There was a time where, you know, I remember this. Clearly, as cl- I mean, I remember it as clearly as day because I felt so dirty in my life. Like I could take a thousand showers with the best soap, you know, like, you know, I don't know, like heavy grade soap. I don't know if there is such a thing, but just like heavy grade soap, heavy grade shampoo and take a thousand showers, you know, and, you know, after my thousandth shower, I'd still be filthy. I'd still be dirty. I remember that. And I remember that feeling of filth. It's not a good feeling. But praise be to the Lord that I remember this. Because it, it's been a thrust for me in my walk with the Lord. It, a thousand showers and, and, and still be filthy because the, the filth was in my heart. What I didn't realize, what I didn't understand, unbeknownst to me, what I didn't realize was what I needed was to be placed in water. Just like it's written here in the law, it must be put in water. You know what that is? The water baptism. I needed to be placed in water. You know, a burial of the old self and come up and being alive in Christ. That's what I love so much about going through the law as new covenant believers. Because there's so many things in our lives as Christians, as the bride of Christ, that we read the law and you read it and you're like, whoa, that that reminds me of this, that reminds me of that, that reminds me of, I remember this. Such is the case where I just told you here, it must be put in water. And you say, okay, why did you tell, why did you even say that? Well, you might be listening and you might feel in your heart of hearts, filth. And you know what that is? That feeling of filth? That's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, get right with God. Get right with your maker. Get right with Jesus Christ. That's what it is. I shouldn't say that's what it is. That's that's who He is. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit that goes into the world to convict the world. To judge the world and of righteousness. It's conviction of the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore Him. Don't ignore him. You feel filthy before the Lord? I say, praise be to the Lord. You say, wow, you know that. Praise the Lord that I feel fi- that I feel filthy 
Yes, okay, now let me tell <laughs> This is what you have to do now. Be born again. Be born again. Wash yourself with the blood of Jesus Christ. I know that's Christianese, but what it means is to repent and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's what it means. You must be put in water. You can take a thousand showers, and you know what? You'll still be dirty if you don't come to Christ. But when you come to Christ, you don't even need to take a shower. I mean, still take a shower, but you're, you'll be cleansed from the depths of your heart, the depths of your mind. You will be cleansed. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It says this in verse 32 at the end. And it shall be unclean until evening, then it shall be clean. Any earthen vessel in which any of them falls, you shall break. I love verse 33 as well, what we just read. Because what do we see? The earthen vessel, something unclean is inside. And what needs to happen? It needs to be broken. Have you ever been broken before the Lord? I have. I hated it at the time. But now I reflect back and I love it. You know why? Because when you're broken before the Lord, He'll put you together. As surely as He lives, He will put you together. You just have to let Him. You have to yield to Him. Brokenness before the Lord, is it isn't a bad thing. Brokenness in the world, yes, that's a terrible thing. Because that's where Satan is. Satan will say, okay, you know you're broken. You know, here, take more crack. Here, you know, go to this other guy who will tell you he loves you. Go to this other lady who will tell you she loves you. Go to this bottle. Go to this pusher. That's what Satan will say. But you know what God says? I'll fix you. I love it so much. He did it in my life. He'll do it with yours. As surely as he lives. You just have to let him. It says this in verse 33. And whatever is in it shall be unclean. In such a vessel, any edible food which water falls, uh, in which water falls becomes unclean. And any drink that may be drunk from it becomes unclean. And everything on which a part of any such carcass falls shall be unclean. Whether it is an oven or cooking stove, it shall be broken down, for they are unclean, and shall be unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern in which there is plenty of water shall be clean. But whatever touches any such carcass shall uh, uh, any such carcass becomes unclean. And if a part of any such carcass falls on any planting seed which is to be sown, it remains clean. You see how hardcore verse 37 is? Because if an unclean thing touches something, that thing becomes unclean. Unless, unless, it says here, if it falls on any planting seed. You see, I'll give you an example. I won't give you like a you know a, a clear example, but I have a lot of shame when I reflect on past behaviors, past actions, past deeds. A lot of shame, and I love it. 
not the deeds. I love what the Lord did with it. You know why? Because I'm thankful for those things. I'm thankful for the past events because of what it produced. And you know why? Because what was unclean fell on planting planting seed. Just as it's written here in verse 37. Maybe I'm getting too personal in our study here. But I want to give you an example about these things. Like, you know, in verse 32, it must be put in water. And I gave a little testimony. You know, not to, not to be boastful at all, but to give an example. Like, you know what? You can be cleansed too. I gave an example in verse 33 about being broken before the Lord. Not to be boastful, but when you're broken, being before the Lord, it's a beautiful place to be. In verse 37, if any part of any such carcass falls on any planting seed which is to be sown, it remains clean. That might be you listening to my voice right here and right now. Any unclean thing. And you know what's happening right now? By you listening to my voice, I pray and by faith that you're falling on seed which is to be sown. You must yield to the Lord Jesus Christ. You must yield to His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Because I remember a time in my life when I was unclean, filthy, 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 filthy. But yet I fell on planting seed. And if you are unclean, listening to my voice, you're unclean, fall on planting seed. And I tell you from experience, this isn't lip service. I'm not telling you from what, you know, Joe Schmo says. I'm not telling you from what I heard on the radio. I'm telling you from experience, firsthand experience. Firsthand witness. It's not hearsay. Fall on planting seed. And so it says here in verse 37, it remains clean. In verse 38, but if water is put on any if water is put on the seed and if a part of any such carcass falls on it it becomes unclean to you you know what that means keep it clean keep it clean and i don't mean to introduce practicality to the law but as we read these laws especially when it i mean here it comes it's we're talking about food and things unclean you know we're going to get further in and talk about animals we're going to talk about behaviors sexual things you know, that discharges of a, of a man, discharges of a female. And it's like, whoa, you're, we're going to read the law and be like, whoa, this is like hardcore. And when I say practicality, it's not to cheapen the word of God. It's not to cheapen the law. It's to say, you know what? Keep it clean. You know, you got rats in your house, you know. Look at everything that's involved. You're gonna, you have to. You're unclean. Whatever it touches, whatever the carcass. You, you, you got rats in your tent. If we were here in the Old Testament, as you know, under the law. Not that we're under the law, but just giving an example. You got rats in your tent. You got mice in your tent. You know, keep it clean. You know what is it that's attracting the mice? You know, keep it clean. Keep everything covered. Keep you know. Get rid of the mice. You know, look at the process. You, you know, you might need help collecting dead mice. You dead mice. So, you know, now you're dirty. Your son's dirty. Your daughter's dirty. 
They got to wait outside and, you know, be outside until the evening. Be away from the camp. Everybody's having fun, you know, in the tents. Everybody's having a good time, you know, telling stories. And where are you? Outside the camp. That's what I mean when I talk about practicality. It's an Old Testament example of what? Keeping your tent clean. Keeping your vessel clean. You know, why go back to the vomit? When the Lord has rescued you, when the Lord has freed you from Egypt, when the Lord has freed you from bondage, why go back? Keep your vessel clean. You know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, the Lord does that, you know. The Lord will do that. That's the work of the Lord. Well, you, you have choices to make. Obedience is a choice. He, does, he doesn't make you a robot. The Lord rescue you from drugs. You're clean before the Lord. You believe in Jesus Christ. And your friend calls you. Your old homie calls you. Hey, you know what? I got this crack. I got this marijuana from the, you know, the, the finest marijuana in Chiapas, Mexico. Hang up. No, I'm not down with that. That's not my life anymore. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Don't play around with those things anymore. That's what I mean when I say practicality. Keep your vessel clean. Just like in the Old Testament, keep your tent clean. Keep your body clean. Especially when we get into these topics of the sexual nature. You know, keep your body clean. The Lord rescued you from, you know, whatever lifestyle. He's separated you from whatever lifestyle. Now, keep your temple clean. Just like Jesus Christ tells, you know, go and sin no more. You know, yeah, Jesus Christ. People say, oh yeah, Jesus Christ, he hung out with the prostitutes, the tax collectors, all these people. Yes, he did. And praise be to the Lord. But what did he tell them? Go and sin no more. It's not to say, yeah, you know, I'm a prostitute and I come to Christ. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm still going to prostitute my body. No, go and sin no more. Keep your tent clean. Straight up Old Testament example of being clean before the Lord. And so look what happens here in verse 39. And if any animal which which you may eat dies, he who touches it, he who touches its carcass shall be unclean until evening. He who eats of its carcass shall wash his clothes and be, be unclean until evening. He also who carries its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. Now he's speaking about uh, uh, bugs. We, we just read a couple of verses ago, like in, in verse 21 and 22. The locust, that's okay. The locust is okay. But now he's speaking about bugs. He says, And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly, whatever goes on all, all fours, or whatever has many feet among all creeping things that creep on the earth, these you shall not eat, for they are an abomination. You shall not make yourselves abominable. You see, it's self-inflicted. Self-inflicted. You shall not make yourselves. Translates in the Hebrew is you shall not make your soul abominable don't do that it's a self-inflicted wound what you're doing to yourself this is under the law but as new covenant believers there's also you hear me mention all the time self-inflicted self-inflicted 
People say, oh yeah, it's the work of the Lord. God does it, you know. God does it inside of you. Yeah, we have a helper. But, you know, much like husbands ignore their helpers, their lowercase h, I'm speaking of the wife. So too, many ignore the uppercase helper in their lives. What do I say? Don't ignore the helper. Don't ignore the Holy Spirit. You see, God doesn't make us as robots. We have choices to make in life. The Lord freed you from, you know, drugs. The Lord freed you from sex. The Lord freed you from alcohol. Don't go back to those things. Go and sin no more. The Lord freed you. Why would, you know, why would you, you the people in the desert were going to see, they start to murmur and complain. Oh, wow, you know, we had it so good in Egypt. We had all this meat. I mean, we read passages already in Exodus. We used to have it so good, you know. We had, you know, meat. And now here we are. And then the Lord gave them manna. The Lord gave them a quail to eat. And we're going to read passages where the Lord provides for them. But even along the way, they murmur and complain. Don't be that way in your walk with the Lord. In your journey with Him. Don't be that way. Remember, all these things written, what we're studying now, are written for our warning, written for our, our admonition. That's what Paul says to the church in Corinth and also to the church in Rome. That's what he says. They're written as our warning. In verse 43 here in, in, in Leviticus 11 says, You shall not make yourselves abominable, self-inflicted, with any creeping thing that creeps, nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. You see, that's what I, when I mentioned practicality, it's not in no way, shape, or form am I trying to cheapen the law or cheapen the word of God. But the admonition, the urging, is to say, you know what? Keep yourselves clean. Don't go back to the alcohol. Don't go back to the strong drink. Don't go back to the, the sexual stuff. You know, don't go back to the pornography. Don't go back to the strip clubs. Don't go back to the crack pipe. Don't go back to the meth. Don't go back to your pothead friends, former friends. Don't go back. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. He rescued you from, he's rescued you from Egypt, from bondage. Don't be like a dog that goes back to the vomit. You know, don't do that. Make the choice. Obedience must be learned. You know, New Covenant and Old Covenant. You know, the New Testament and Old Testament. Obedience is a learned thing. And a lot of times we learn from our mistakes. If you're like me, I learn from my mistakes. And you know what? Me personally, that's the best way to learn. Because it hits home. And then when it hits home, you're able to minister to other people and tell them, Hey, look. Don't make these mistakes that I made. Don't do this. Don't go on the crack. Don't go on the sexual stuff. Don't go on the alcohol. Don't, you know, do all these crazy things that the world does. And those ensnared by the world and its passions, they go out and, you know, strive for these things. But you, you're different. Why? You're set apart. You're consecrated for the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you learn obedience. Sometimes you learn obedience through another person. Just like I'm telling you now. 
You know, I tell you, you know, and, you know, the best way to learn was, you know, the, the, that's for me. And I'm telling you, you know, don't learn the best way in, in partaking of those things. Learn from my mistakes. And not just mine. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. All these people in the Bible, other Christians, you know, they'll tell you, you know, oh, yeah, don't do this. You know, they're adhering to sound doctrine. They're a brother or sister in Christ. Now, if they're not adhering to sound doctrine, they won't give you these warnings. They'll say, oh, yeah, you know, maybe they're the ones inviting you to do drugs. I was talking to a kid one time, you know, what do you do for fun? He says, oh, yeah, you know, we just go and get high, we smoke, we get high, we do all these things. It's like, wow, don't you have any Christian friends? Like these are, he told me, these are the Christian friends. These are the other Christian kids. It's like, wow. And it's like, okay, you know, doctrinally, these kids aren't sound. To have a conversation with this kid and say, hey, you know what? And, you know, you're the heavy. You got to be the heavy in these circles. You need to repent. You know, if you're partaking of these, repent. Get your heart right with the Lord. And when you go to the school, you know, your kid, your friends, they want to do all these crazy things. Tell them no. Tell them no. You have to make a stand. You're responsible for yourself. If you're a parent, you're responsible for your kids. If you're a a husband, you're responsible for everybody under your roof. You know, if you're a parent, you're responsible for your kids. Sometimes kids come to Christ. A, A child comes to Christ. Well, you know what? They're the heavy in the home. The spiritual heavy in the home. They're the the fishermen in their own home. You see? It, it obedience Since we know that obedience is learned, the natural world testifies. Look at a 5-year-old kid who's disobedient. Spank him once, spank him twice. You know, he goes out, maybe makes the mistake. Spank him once, spank him twice. He may goes out, makes the mistake again. Spank him once, spank, you know, whip him once, whip him twice. You know, he's not learning. Finally, he learns. Okay, whenever I do this, you know, I get spanked. Whenever if I do this hardcore, I get whipped hardcore. You know, not to a bloody pulp. But look what happens when you spoil the rod. You know, look at the world today. Look at all these kids today. You know, so-called the learned college kids. Look at, you know, look at what it's produced. The coddled generation. It's a lawlessness. A lawlessness. Spoiled kids. Why? Because the rod was spared. And then all of a sudden, you know, the five-year-old kid is like, okay, I'm not going to make this mistake anymore. Why? Because I get whipped my dad, you know. He takes his belt. That's what my dad did to me. And I didn't like it at the time, but I thanked him after. When I was an adult, I thanked him. I said, hey, Pops, thanks. Because he saved me, saved me from a lot of bad mistakes. Praise be to the Lord. But obedience is a learned thing. Even more so when it comes to faith. Remember. Put yourself in Israel's shoes. You know, the mindset of like, wow, we're not in Egypt anymore. We're free. But yeah, you know, it's it's a good thing to be free. But there has to be choices to make because freedom can be a bad thing. I mean, look at like a hardcore extreme libertarian, politically speaking. 
free to do this. Yeah, open up, you know, sell drugs in the store, sell marijuana at the grocery store, you know, LSD, legalize it. You know, all these things, legalize prostitution, legalize all these things. Extreme libertarianism is like, yeah, it's all free. And if if you want to do it, do it. Well, you know, look at what it, look at what it produces. Look at what it will produce. So there's, you know, freedom. You know, you can get a driver's license and you know, get in a car. You know, I should, let's look at extreme freedom. You know, you get a drive. Yeah, extreme freedom. You get in your car and you drive. But there needs to be rules in place, because the driver's license. You know, you have to you know get your driver's license in order to learn the rules of the road. And when you get in your car, you have to learn the rules of the road and apply the rules of the road. You know, go to speed limit, stop at stop signs, red light, you stop. You have to learn the rules of the road. Otherwise, if you're, you know, 14 years old, you know, and you don't have a driver's license, you get in the car and you drive, that's extreme freedom. But having no obedience or, you know, leaning onto law, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt another person. Maybe a group of people. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, my friends, you know, they, they used to steal cars. And, you know, they got pulled over one night. And I was almost going to go with them. But, my, you know, my dad's belt saved me. I was going to go with them. And they got pulled over that night because they didn't, they didn't turn on the lights. They just figured, okay, I'm going to go on a drive. It was getting dusk. And they got pulled over because they didn't have lights on. The cop comes to the window and boom, they got busted. You see, because they didn't learn, you know, at night, I got to turn on the lights. They never, you know, done that before. So extreme freedom says, okay, yeah, I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to drive. But no, you have to get your driver's license first. You have to learn the rules of the road and then you have to apply the rules of the road or else you're going to hurt yourself and or hurt others. Hurt others. And these people here in Leviticus 11, remember, the law is being applied. These uh, statutes are now being given. These rules are now being given to the people who are no longer in Egypt, no longer under bondage, no longer under the whip of Egypt. But they still have to learn obedience and they still have to apply these rules in their life. Make the choice to apply these rules in their life. And from here on out, we're going to see examples in Deuteronomy. We're going to see examples in numbers of homes, of people, of tents that don't apply these rules in their lives. And we're going to see what God does with that. So this practicality that I mentioned about, you know, hey, keep your tent clean. Romans 1, there is the wrath of God which falls on individuals. It's Old Testament example of things that can befall, you know, even Christians. Remember, there is apostasy. And apostasy is going to be amped up in the last days. It's people who willfully forget the things of the Lord. Willfully forget. You know what that means? Self-inflicted. And they turn their back on God and walk away. They leave. They leave. And you talk, and people say, "Oh, yeah, you know, you know, Jesus will hold you, and you know, not one is going to get away." It's true that Jesus Christ will hold you. It's a biblical truth that will hold you. But even still, don't walk away. Don't walk away. 
It's very, very important to understand these things in accordance with sound doctrine. And so let's look at here in verse 44. In closing, for I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. This is what obedience is. This is what obedience does. Consecration unto the Lord. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. Can you imagine? Put yourself in Israel's shoes for a moment. And Moses and Aaron are speaking. And this is what they say. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. You know what those words mean in your mind? Like, especially when the Lord has been forgotten, you've been in Egypt, and yet the Lord has made himself known, you know, walking through the sea on dry ground. The Lord has made himself known, you know, when Moses comes down with the tablets. But in a very practical sense, I say that word a lot because there is practicality to the word of God, not to cheapen the word of God. But applicationally, it's better for you. It's better for me. When obedience is learned, but obedience is applied. You know why? Because what is written here in verse 44. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. How does that happen? He says this. And you shall be holy, for I am holy. Do you know how hard, hard, hardcore that is? I say put yourself in Israel's shoes, but you know what? We live in a culture today where it's so nasty out there, and it's getting worse. Incrementally, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Sex is everywhere. Drugs everywhere. Alcohol everywhere. Every Pornography. It's everywhere. You can't escape this world. And you have to make a choice. Consecrate yourselves. We've been talking about diet, you know, what to eat. What goes in a body. What goes in a mouth. What is consumed. And the Lord is saying, you know, this is clean. This is unclean. This is clean. This is unclean. And a person eating Putting something in their mouth has a choice to make. Actually, before putting it in their mouth. Is what I'm consuming clean or is it unclean? What about what goes in your ears? Is this clean or is it unclean? What about what goes in your eyes? Is this clean or is this unclean? What about the path of your feet? The steps of your feet. Is this direction clean or unclean? What about the work of your hands? Is this clean or is it unclean? What about the thought of your mind? Is this clean or is it unclean? Just as is written here in verse 44, You shall be holy for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves, self-inflicted, with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So there's a choice being presented. Defile self or consecrate self. You choose. I say you choose as if we were here in the law in Leviticus 11. 
But I say this to you as a new covenant believer. You choose. You either defile self or consecrate yourself unto the Lord. I say consecrate yourself unto the Lord. That's what the Lord called me to tell you. Consecrate yourself unto Him. Set yourself apart from Him. How does that happen? Be holy. You have to learn holiness. And then you have to learn obedience. And then you have to apply obedience. This is what he says in verse 45. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You see? Out of bondage and unto himself. Old Testament and New Testament. That's what God is doing. That's what God has done. Out of bondage and unto himself. If you're listening to my voice right now and you hear me mention filth and it resonates with you because you yourself are filthy in sin. I'm not going to say, you know, how dare you, you're going to burn in hell. If you die without Jesus Christ, biblically, you will burn in hell. But I'm telling you good news. It doesn't have to be that way. Repent. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with Him. Because He is the way, the truth, and the life. And you're cleansed from within. It's not that, you know, you have to go out and, you know, scrub your heart, scrub your mind. No. You need to be placed in water. The Lord does the work. He says in verse 45, You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Peter says the exact same thing. Let's turn really quick. I said in closing earlier, but, you know... Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. This is Brother Peter. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. I love that. You see the mind, it's like, it's not like... You know, people talk about sin, like, okay, yeah, this guy committed murder. Yeah, this guy, you know, he got high and he's, you know, he's tripping out or whatever. This guy's alcoholic and he's like in a rampage all over the place. But you know what? That's the aftermath because you're seeing, you know what happens? The battle happens in the mind first when somebody in their mind says, oh, you know what? I'm going to go back to the bottle. Oh, you know what? I'm going to partake of this sexual activity. Oh, you know what? I'm going to partake of, I'm going to call my drug friends. And Peter addresses the fight right where it needs to be. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully, not partially, fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming. He will be revealed riding on the clouds. Revelation. Apocalypsis. It's going to happen. As surely as he lives, he will return again. He says this in verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. He's saying, hey, don't be the, how you used to be, you know, like when you were stupid in your stupid days. In your ignorance. 
Remember when you were stupid and, you know, you were on the crack pipe? Remember when you were stupid and you were going to strip clubs? Remember when you were stupid and you were getting drunk? Paul's saying, don't do that. You're not a disobedient child anymore. Choose to be an obedient child. Not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. In your behavior. Translates in the Greek as conversation and behavior. He's saying be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. That's what we just read in Leviticus 11. Be holy for our, uh, for I am holy. So you hear me say Old Testament and New Testament, it's the same. This is an example. Old Testament and New Testament is the same. Be holy for I am holy. You don't know holiness? Get to know holiness. Read your word. Have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and read the word of God because the word became flesh. God loves you. It's not like a chore. It's like, oh, I got to read the Bible. No, it's not a chore. I mean, if you feel it's a chore, then, you know, that's an indicator of your heart. This is what he says in verse 46, going back to Leviticus 11 now. In verse 46, this is the law of the animals and the birds and every living creature that moves in the waters and every creature that creeps on the earth to distinguish between unclean and the clean and between the animal that may be eaten and the animal that may not be eaten. You see what he's doing in verse 47? To distinguish between the unclean and the clean. Remember, the law is a schoolmaster or a tutor. And the law, using the law, the law is teaching discernment and separation of the clean from the unclean. This is straight up the Old Testament. The people are presented with a choice. Hey, you need to choose clean or unclean. That's what God is telling the people. Choose clean and unclean. This is what I'm telling you is unclean. And this is what is unclean to you. This is an abomination to you. Make a choice. Make a choice. He's teaching the people discernment through the law. The same thing that happens to us where we have to apply. The Lord teaches us. We have to learn discernment. You know, it's not, you hear me say, you know, keep your tent clean. You know, if if we were in the law, if we were in, like it took a time machine and back in the States, that's what I would tell you. You know, hey, keep your tent clean. But we're in modern days. We're as new covenant believers. You know what I say? Keep your temple clean. Keep your body clean. Keep your mind clean. Keep your heart clean. It's not growth inducing to flirt with unclean things. You know, what is it that, you know, you know, remember the Lord says it's not what goes into a man which defiles a man. It's what comes out of a man, you know, because it's the outpouring of the heart. But thinking about, you know, intake, what goes in a mouth, what goes in your ears, what goes in your eyes, you know, dirty movies. I was talking to a kid one time. He said, oh, you know, have you seen this movie? I was like, whoa, no way. I can barely watch the preview. Where did you see this movie? Did you know, do your parents know about this? And he tells me, yeah, I watched it with my dad. And you can hear in the distance, his dad was leading worship. For a congregation. It's like what? That movie has all these cuss words. I mean you're a child. Let alone an adult. You know it shouldn't happen for an adult. But like what in the world? 
this movie has all these cuss words, all this nudity, all these things. And you watched it. You sat down and you watched that with your dad. And the next day, your dad is leading worship for the congregation. You say, whoa, that's so judgmental. He can do it. He's free in Christ. Yes, he's free in Christ, but don't use freedom as excuse for sin, as licensure for sin. Worship leaders, a very big job. That's a huge duty. In the Old Testament, you know, you think of like battles going to war. You know who was the first in line going to war? The, you know, the, the battlefield? You know who were the front lines? The worship leaders. That was the front lines of the battlefield. The worship leaders. Singing song praise unto the Lord. That was the front lines. That's why, you know, you have church service. You open up in worship. The worship people, the worship team, the worship leader. That's like the tip of the spear. Preparing hearts for battle. Look at the worship leaders you see today. And I gave an example of the kid who says, yeah, watch it with my dad. And in the distance, you know, he's leading the church congregation worship. The tip of the spear. That's a dull tip. That's not a sharp sword. That sword needs to be iron. That sword needs to be sharpened. Needs to be bashed a little bit. You know, iron, sharpening iron, you know, you bash it, put it on the little thingamajig, get it burning hot, and when you bash it, get it sharp again. But you know what? In the last days, as you see more people turn away from the Lord and turn to apostasy, it's the great falling away. It's a prophesied event. It will happen. The falling away that happens inside the church, the great falling away, apostasy. It will happen. Precursor to that are dull swords. Swords that are like, you know, a weapon of war, but then they pull it out of their sheath, and what is it? It's like a butter knife. Not even a butter knife. It's just like a dull, duller than a butter knife. Don't be a butter knife. Don't be that way. As the Lord says, be holy for I am holy. As His word says in Leviticus and as Brother Peter writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Be holy for I am holy. And we're spoiled today as New Covenant believers. You know why? We have the full counsel of the Word of God. And we also have the Helper. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's not just the baptism of water. That's the baptism of John. Just like Apollo. Apollo's thought, you know, like, oh yeah, I just know the baptism of John. But beautiful, beautiful Aquila and Priscilla. They said, no, let me tell you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let us tell you about these things. Their special ministry. Sharpening Apollos. If you're a butter knife, allow yourself to be sharpened. It's, it's good for the heart. You know why? It keeps you humble before the Lord. And the meek shall inherit the earth. We're going to end our study here. We'll pick up Lord Willing in chapter 12 next week. God bless you. Love you guys.